0: You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. Hey, I want to talk to you today uh, about life. And one of the things about life, we talked about joy that we have and hope that we have in the Lord and, and that we need to be in wonder and awe over all the things God has done for us. But I want to talk today about the fact we have to celebrate the good things that God has done for us, and if we don't celebrate all that God's given us in Christ, then we will never share it. Uh, What you do when you go to a restaurant and it's really good, you tell everybody because you really do want to share it. And there's something about the human condition. We want everyone to know we've been there too, you know. So a new, new place came to town recently, and people said, have you been there, Pastor, yet? We've been there twice. I said, it's only been open three hours, <laughs> and they were there twice, you know. Uh, but there's something about that. When we, rec- hey, this is a good value for our, our, our money, come on, and, and the service is good, and it's clean, and the food is fresh, and it tastes good, we tell people about it. Why? Because we are taking an inventory and assessment of what we've just received. When you start to celebrate the goodness of the Lord in your life, a relationship with him, a grace that's greater than all of your sin, a salvation that's not just for today, but for all eternity, that no one perishes but has everlasting life. You'll want people to know that. And frankly, excuse me for, for for saying this, and I'll, I'll, I won't use the word that I was gonna use, because there's kids in here, but uh, there's a certain place I don't want people to go when they die. Anybody else feel that way? I care enough about them that I don't want them to end up, you know, where it's hot. I'd rather have them end up where it's cool. Now, Paul the Apostle tells us in Ephesians 2, Verse 11 to 13, that we should not take for granted what God has given us. Because it was only yesterday, he says, that we were outsiders to God's ways and had no idea of any of this and didn't know the first thing about the way God works. Hadn't the faintest idea of Christ. You knew nothing of that rich history of God's covenants and promises in Israel. Hadn't a clue about what God was doing in the world at large. But now because of Christ, would you read the rest? Now because of Christ, dying that death, shedding that blood, you who are once out of it altogether are in on everything. Hmm. So we didn't know Christ at one time as a human race. Some of us didn't know Christ. Some of us have a BC life, don't we? Be before Christ. You know, I, I had a young man tell me, You know, I used to do this, 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 but that was before Christ. Uh, Some of us have that season in our life where we wish we could have go back and changed that, but thank God for his grace and mercy that covers our past. Of all the commands that Jesus gave us, do you know the number one command that he gave us? Huh? Somebody said it over here. Love, sure, love. But that's not the number one command. Study the gospels and you will hear the number one command. Yeah, you were right. Fear not. You know why? Because he said something like this. When I leave this planet, greater works than I did, you will do. Man, that's a scary verse. You mean you who caused the blind to see, made the lame to walk, took the deaf ear and opened it? You who raised the dead to life, and you have the nerve to say greater things we will do than you did? Well, fear not. He tells us to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, our neighbor as ourselves. And then he says, go into all the world and, yeah, preach. It starts with a P and ends with reach. P, preach. Preach the gospel to every creature. And some of you, I know you you, 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 you shiver and quiver at the fact that you would have to open your mouth and tell somebody about God. I mean, that's scary. I'm gonna tell you a story and then I'll show you a video and and I'll just talk for a while and until your tummies growl so much that we gotta leave, right? <laughs> it's a gentleman that some time ago, the, the Lord really opened a door for me to step into his life, and I didn't look for it. It was just there. It, was a, it wasn't a coincidence. It was a God incident. And we became friends. <clears throat> and in our relationship, whenever I brought up faith, because I'll do that. Well, would you, would you tell me a little bit about your background, your faith background? He would physically take his two arms, his two arms and his two hands, and like, uh, uh, we don't talk about faith. Okay. So we'd talk about other stuff, and then we'd, we'd meet together again, and then every once in a while, so, hey, when are we going to have that conversation? And he, and he would stop me. You mean the one about faith? We don't do that. Oh, okay, okay. So a year goes by, two years goes by, three years goes by, and uh, I asked him a bold question. Now, you have to understand, I could stand up here in front of 30,000 people and be just a little bit nervous, but not as nervous as when even me has to stand in a, in a room with somebody one-on-one and say, uh, uh, could, could, could I pray for you now? After they've done this for years, you know what I mean? And one day I said to them, would it be all right if I prayed for you? And man, I was nervous. I was sweating profusely and, and my heart was racing. And, and uh, He bowed his head, and he said, yes, please do. Beep. Come on. Come on. And so I put my hand on his shoulder. And I mean, you know, I I know you want me to tell you. And he raised his hands, and he said, Jesus, come in. He did nothing of the kind. He just stood there with his eyes open like a dead fish, you know. (laughs) Oh, but I got to pray for him. Yeah, I did. A few months later, uh, something happened in the life of his family and, and he called me up and he said, uh, I need your prayers. Ah, sure. <laughs> See, then you don't get nervous when somebody invites you. I, I need your prayer. And so uh, I, I, I went to him and, and prayed with him and prayed with his family. And, and then um, it was just not that long ago that he said to me, and the reason I share this with you it bodes to the message today. If you've never had the privilege of bringing someone one step closer to a relationship with God, I pray that you have that privilege. I pray that you take someone that's far away from God and you are used by God to bring them closer to God. It was a while ago that this gentleman said to me, I thank you for bringing me to the Lord. I will follow him all the days of my life. And I just thought, are you kidding me? See, that's that's the joy. Now I'm not sharing it with you because oh, your pastor such a great evangelist. But I'm just like you. I found a relationship and an opportunity to share my heart and my faith with somebody through love acceptance and forgiveness, and God use that, and he can use any of you, he can use any of you. In a few short weeks, we will be ha- passing out water at the parade route, free water. You know why? It's symbolic, you know why? Because Jesus said, if you give someone a cup of cold water in my name, it's as though you give it to me. Now we threw in Otter Pops and Tootsie Pops Nothing to do with the gospel, but we found out that kids like sugar, so that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a cool thing. Just simple ways that you and I can be the church, a church. So a couple of weeks ago, our four-square denomination gathered uh, for a convention. We didn't make the trek there, but got to watch a lot of it online. They were in Washington, D.C., and, uh, and one of the videos they played is a video I'm about to show you. And it's not because I'm trying to raise a four-square flag, though we're a four-square church, we're called four-square. And though four-square literally stands for the fourfold ministry of Jesus, the Savior, the Healer, the Baptizer with the Holy Spirit, and the soon-coming King, but there's an excitement about what God is doing, not just in this denomination, but in any church that is willing to be the voice, the hands, the heart, and the feet of Jesus. So take a look at this video.
1: In over 150 countries around the world, we are there. Sometimes publicly, in churches, large and small, gathering in houses of worship, schools, flats, and parks. Sometimes in the shadows, working in the darkest reaches of the globe to free captives, empower the helpless, and care for those the world's overlooked. We may not look the same, sound the same, even think the same, but we're one movement, one tribe, compelled by the love of Christ. We're instigators. Valdir Falcone, standing in the streets of his majority immigrant town with a simple sign, letting passersby know they are loved and welcome in greater Boston. Beth Ivester engaging in the unique culture of her Portland neighborhood by creating Swap and Play, a place for families to bring their children and find support in community, beginning spiritual conversations through her local business. We're activists. Brenda King spending her days in the dusty slums of Nairobi, Kenya, pulling women out of unthinkable situations, giving them jobs, dignity, and a new identity in Christ. Juan Musquis, overseeing a training center in Tijuana, Mexico, where former addicts, cartel members, and drug traffickers are trained as pastors before being sent home to their own communities, changing and saving lives in one of the most violent cities of his country. We're evangelists. Justin Matera, a Brooklyn-born and raised graphic designer with a passion for his hometown. Starting a church in the heart of his city to reach a generation so easily swallowed by the glamour and pressure of New York. Opening doors for those that have long since left the faith. Isan Özbek, leading the largest evangelical organization in Turkey, putting his life on the line daily to ensure his fellow Turks hear the good news of Jesus. Ministering to the growing number of refugees in his country, and encouraging believers in closed countries throughout the Islamic world. How does such a diverse tribe exist? It started with our founder, Amy Simple McPherson, who took a very different approach from the evangelists of her time. She chose a message of hope over fear, preached to both the social elite and the down and out. She fought to destroy racial, gender, and socioeconomic barriers. And we continue that fight to this day. Leading the way in opening up new countries. Establishing churches in our forgotten urban cores. Empowering both women and men as pastors. And raising up indigenous national leaders to oversee missionary works. Amy utilized technology, media, and the arts to spread the gospel. She wanted to build a church that interfaced with contemporary culture instead of shying away from it. She envisioned a church that would grow stronger over time, always progressing. Always centered around the Bible and its transforming power. And that spirit remains alive today. We're a church for today's world. A church willing to take risks, to go places others won't, to embrace people others fear, to try things others haven't. This isn't just pastors and missionaries. This is the whole church taking the whole gospel to the whole world. And that means each of us. Regardless of profession, talent, income, age or gender, each of us plays a role in spreading the message of Christ to our world. Because we are Foursquare and this is Church Reimagined.
0: I love that, yeah. Everyone doing what they can do. Mm. So I want to take you to a really strange story, and I'm not going to read very much of it because it's kind of like PG-17, and, uh, but it's a story in 2 Kings where there is no food in the land because a king named Ben-Hadad had come and taken over the city. And so, um, they're eating things that are extremely questionable, food is scarce and the lepers in the city become the four main characters. Now, if you were a leper in the city of Lompoc back in Bible times, you would live out at Santa Rosa Road and Highway 1. And if the people in the city had any scraps left over, they would bring the food to you and leave it there. They couldn't get near you because you had leprosy and uh, they would walk away or or ride away. So I want you to understand that in this context, there's a horrible famine in the land, and if you get to eat from the scraps and there's no food available, therefore there's no scraps, you don't get to eat. And so something happened inside of these four lepers, the four characters, we don't even know their names. But in 2 Kings 7, three to eight, Um, Part of the passage says, um, if we stay here in this camp, outside this camp, we're going to die. If we go to the neighboring camp and turn ourselves in, they may kill us because we're foreigners. Or they may have pity on us and let us come in, and they might take care of us. So stay here, we die. Go there, we die. But maybe there's a shot. So they go for broke. They go to the neighboring camp and something miraculous happens. As they go to the neighboring camp, it's just crazy. God had caused the sound of an army to come against the Arameans, an army of chariots and horses and clanging swords, an army of shields and supplies, but there was no army. God just created the sound out of thin air. And so all the Arameans heard the sound of the rushing army coming to get them, and rather than fight against such a mighty army, they ran for their lives. They left their clothes, their gold, their silver, and all of their food. So these four lepers go to the neighboring town. It's kind of like they went over to Buellton, right? And everything was open there for them. Every store, every restaurant with little signs, take what you want. These guys are like, are you kidding me? We're lepers. And they can't find a soul there, but they find everything. And so they start enjoying the food. They start eating and drinking. At the end of uh, verse 8, it says, and they drank and they carried away the silver, and the gold, and the clothes, and they went off, and it says, and, and they hid them, they hid them. By the way, the human tendency is to get ours, take it, and tell everybody else, you figure out how to get yours. No, just, this is the human condition. Uh, year, years ago, when Lompoc was developing and expanding, uh, back in 86, 84, 5, 6, 87, um, we were fortunate enough to, to purchase a home uh, off of Central. And in that development, um, the first phase, second phase, third phase, people were really thrilled. But then guess what? Somebody wanted to build on the other side of A Street and the other side of D Street. There was a planning commission hearing. I went to it just for fun and I listened to my neighbors complain about any more urban sprawl. Folks, 90 days prior, they closed escrow on the same homes in that same area, but they didn't want anybody else to get theirs. Interesting. Matter of fact, one couple um, was from this church and they were adamant at the podium. We've gotta stop building new houses in Lompoc. Hey! Four months ago, you moved into your new house on old ag land. Huh? What's the moral of the story? I got mine. You can't get yours. I got mine. Hey, these four lepers could have said, you know what? We've got everything we need. That, 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 that's, that's all we need to, to worry about. But instead, notice verse 9, 2 Kings 7, 9. Thank you, Lewis, for putting that up. Uh, let's just read this. And when they said to each other, read it, We're not doing well, let's read it again. we're not doing right. This is a day of good news. By the way, a New Testament name for good news would be Gospel. This is a day of gospel, and we're come on, keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let us go out once and report this to the royal palace. Something happened in their morality that they would somehow be punished the next day. Nothing written in the law, if you find food and you don't share it, you'll be punished by God. Nothing in God's laws, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, nothing there about it. But somehow in their own selves, they said, if we don't share the good news, if we keep this to ourselves, we're not doing right. That's a powerful statement. And so they go, these four lepers. Can you imagine this? The same four that found all the stuff. They come walking into the palace, forbidden for them to be there. We have news to share with the king. Who are they? Four lepers. <laughs> really? Yeah, they have food. We have famine, they have food. Our clothes are wearing out, they have a stockpile of clothes. We have run through our money just to get food, to barely survive. And guess what? They have gold and silver. And so what happens is uh, the kings set out, verse 14 and 16, two chariots, their horses, the king, and sent them to the Aramean army He commanded the drivers, go and find out what has really happened. And they followed him as far as the Jordan, and they found the whole road strewn with the clothing and equipment of the Arameans had thrown away when they were leaving headlong in their flight. Remember, God made the sound of the enemy coming and They couldn't handle it. And the people went out and plundered the camp of the Arameans, and they were able to buy flour for a cheap price, a shekel, and and, uh, barley for a cheap price, a shekel. And everything's put back into perspective small prices for real food. But the question is, have you ever said to yourself, it's not right for me to keep this to myself? It's not right for me to keep what I've learned from the scriptures to myself or to learn how I've, I've been transformed in my life to myself or to learn about the gospel of Jesus to myself. It's not right that I keep the goodness and the grace and the mercy and and the the salvation of God to myself. So number one, real quick, be willing to go for broke. And you're looking at the outline going, golly, we'll never get out of here. Be willing to go for broke. I I wanna share with you um, what missiologist Michael Frost calls bells. Uh, In bells, he says that we bless. Um, He is a missiologist from Australia, um, and he believes if we don't create habits of sharing our faith, then we'll never share our faith. So here's what he says, to consider, and I submit it to you for your consideration, is that first, we, we bless three people each week. At least one cannot be a member of my church or my family. So bless three people, but make one not a part of your church or your family, the second thing is to eat. Well, that's easy. Come on. I will eat with three people this week, at least one of whom is not a member of my church or my family. Um, I know of a family in Ventura, California, part of our four square church there, and they have Taco Tuesday. You might go, who's oh, so Taco Tuesday? You can go to Taco Tuesday. No, they have Taco Tuesday on their street. So she makes home, homemade tortillas. Um, he Cuts up the cilantro and the onions and the radishes and the lime. Why am I talking about this now? <laughs> and he gets out the grill and everybody brings their meat and they eat tacos together. They started with about 18 people and now they average about 85 every, every Tuesday. People are starved for connection. People are starved for relationship. People are starved... For tacos on Tuesday. <laughs> and through the eating of these little tacos and the kids playing games together, there's been this missional thing that's happened in their street, and there has been conversation after conversation after conversation about faith. And people aren't just doing this anymore. They're saying, let's, let's, let's talk about faith. Uh, listen. He says, I will spend at least one period of the week listening to the Holy Spirit's voice and specifically listening to the Holy Spirit about my friends and my family who are far away from God. All of you here have at least three people that you know that are far away from God. Some of you know people who are caught up in the current of the world, in, in addictions, in promiscuous living. Some are just look. Really together on the outside, but inside you know that they're dying if you could take somehow a heart inventory of them. And then we're to learn more about Christ. I will spend at least one period of the week learning about Christ. And then he writes this down under sent that I will write down throughout the week all the ways that I shared God's love with someone. He said, if anything is to be done, and become a habit in your life, you have to journal it. If you've ever been on any kind of health program or exercise program, you know they will tell you this. Write down what you ate, your calories, how many you know, reps you did, how many burpees, how many setups, how many whatever, right? You write it down, you do better if you journal it. And so he says, write down where you have shared the love of God with people. In some areas, you'll be surprised how much you've accomplished. In other areas, you'll be guilted by how little you did. So, bless, write this down quickly, generosity, eat, hospitality, listen, spirit-led, learn, Christ-like, sent, missionary. Another family I know in Burbank, California, a four-square family, um, first Saturday on their street is birthday Saturday. They have a birthday uh, party for anybody that month that's having a birthday. And I asked the fool's question, you're probably thinking, well, what if there's no birthday in that first Saturday? He said, then we have a just because party. And they get together and they have um, homemade cakes and ice cream and, and jumpy houses for the kids and they play cornhole and, and Uno and Duo and Treo and whatever. And they, just, they play games together, they set up card games, they have um, Monopoly marathons. These are people in a community that hardly ever did more than just wave at each other when they walked by or waved at each other, you know, when they, were, when they were there. So all this to say, where could God use you and me in different ways to share the good news of Christ with others? See, in the final analysis in your notes, what is the ultimate purpose of the church? It's about people and it's about sharing the love and the life of Christ. It's not just about building more buildings, though I, we have plans, trust me. It's just not about you know, filling every seat in the house, though we wish we could today. It's not about better music or baptizing more people, though, though that's important. The heart of the church must always be about the people outside the church who have no idea about the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we stop doing that, if we stop thinking about those outside, then we start being like those that say, I have mine, you figure it out on your own. It's the gospel of Jesus where he said in Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. That means everybody. That doesn't mean just people that we like, that means the people that God puts in front of us and sometimes God will put people in front of you that you don't like on purpose. To work out love inside of you. So, the parable of the the sower and the seed. You remember this story? He says uh, he threw seed out on the ground. And if you really study it, you'll find out that three of the four soils he threw the seed on did nothing, absolutely nothing. 75% zero return over here. 25% 25% return on the seed over here. So the pessimist says, well, gee, why, why throw out any seed? You know, three out of four seeds is going nowhere. Why throw out any seed? The optimist says, and I aren't one, just throw out more seed, right? If 25% of the seed is actually gonna work and germinate, just throw out more. Just keep throwing out more. Just keep throwing out more. Just keep throwing out more. Just keep finding ways and means to ask that faith conversation, even beyond people who might do this and say, I don't, don't want to hear anything about it. Because someday, 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 you'll find the joy. There is a joy in being a faithful sower of the seed and partnering with the God of the harvest. When Jesus got ready to leave the planet, he gave a final strong statement, right before the day of Pentecost happened, right before the Holy Spirit fell. In Acts 1.8, he said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. You'll be partners in the gospel and in the harvest. Now, I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, we, we prayed over each person that got baptized that the Holy Spirit would fill them. Much like Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit when he was baptized. I believe that the Holy Spirit can give us supernatural gifts. You can study the spiritual gifts in the Bible, and I believe they're still for today. Wisdom and knowledge and, and insight and prophecy, and, and, you know, that's great. And, and I also believe there's time that the Lord can use us Greater things than he did, we shall do. And, and we can pray for the sick and, and they'll recover. Um, it happened here many years ago. I, I remember a little girl who um, never smoked. Her parents never smoked. There was no smoke around at all. Uh, she was a young girl and her lungs were, were darkened. And the doctors said she had one of the worst forms of lung cancer he'd ever seen. And she came here one day to church and she had a vision. And the vision was that Pastor Bernie prayed for her and she got healed. When she told me that I was scared, I thought, oh, Lord, what a sweet little girl. <clears throat> and, and God, you know, I like, don't really like have the gift of healing, though I've prayed for some people and they've gotten healed. That's how the Holy Spirit works. I've also prayed for people and I got sick. So it's crazy, you know, crazy. But but boy, oh, that day, and 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 as everybody was walk is at the end of the service, everybody was walking out the door. I I grabbed for anybody that looked like they had any modicum of faith. I mean, anybody, you know, carrying a Bible. Hey, come join us, because I wanted, you know, I wanted reinforcements. And I I remember we 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 prayed for this little girl, and and I got to tell you, boy, the Holy Spirit came and showed up because he's he's amazing, and uh, I'll fast forward the tape. Um, I remember when this little girl she wasn't supposed to even live a year and uh, and and when she went to the doctor, they couldn't find anything, and later on they couldn't find anything and later on, and I got her um graduation uh, invitation uh, for high school graduation, and then I got her her marriage uh, invitation, and uh, last I heard she's you know fine and married, has kids, and teaching them all about Jesus, and, and talking about the day that the Holy Spirit healed her. I mean, I'm just, whoa, whoa. But that's not what Jesus said would happen. Hang on. What he, what he said was, as great as all of the Holy Spirit's power is, the number one thing that happens when the Holy Spirit comes, he will make us witnesses, Now, again, I don't discount the spiritual gifts. I don't discount the power of healing. I don't discount the power of prayer. I don't discount any of the gifts of the Spirit. But you have to understand this. We could have all the gifts of the Spirit in operation, and if we're not empowered to be witnesses, we miss the heart of what Jesus said. He wants both. He wants the supernatural to happen. He wants people to get blessed. He wants people to get healed. He wants to use us with the gifts of the Spirit. Yes, 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 amen. But if we don't get filled with power, see, when he says, when you're filled with power, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, that's their Lompoc. In Judea, that's your Santa Barbara County. In, in, in Samaria, that's their California. In the other most parts of the world, that's the rest of America and the rest of the world. He asked them to witness in their own cities. He asked them to witness on their own streets. He asked them to consider by the power of the Holy Spirit having a Taco Tuesday on their street. Well, not really. I just put that in there but I think he's okay with it. You know, studies estimate that an unbeliever needs seven to eight times of hearing the gospel before they respond. Now pastor, why are you taking all this time to tell us about the fact that we should share the gospel? Because it's still the way that people get saved. It's life upon life, person upon person, neighbor upon neighbor, worker upon worker, you know, servant upon client, whatever it might be. Number two, realize your good fortune. Just realize it. This is what happened to the lepers. They came, they realized the good things that they had. They realized what they had was amazing. They soaked it all in and they said, you know what? We have to tell other people about how great it is. See, God's wonderful gifts have not been given to us for us to just enjoy, but for us to share, for us to share. Now, I'm going to make this more about inviting people to church. I didn't even bring that up yet. And it's not about inviting people to church, though you can do that. I just would love you to invite them to have a conversation about faith. Or maybe you talk to somebody and say, hey, um, tell me about your faith, and you might get this, but then again, eventually you might get this. Tell me about your story. Were you ever raised in church? You'd be, you'd be shocked at where those kind of conversations can go. And then when someone asks you about your faith, to have in your hip pocket or in your purse right? Literal, not literally, but figuratively. A 90-second story about you, how you came to know Christ. I mean, it's remarkable what people will listen to when you have it prepared. Hey, there was a time I really didn't serve the Lord, or I was raised in a Christian family, but there was a day that I made a commitment to follow after Christ, and here's what it looks like for me. Number three, stockpiling the goodness and grace of God in the midst of a world that is lost is unconscionable. I know that's a deep story, and unconscionable is probably not a word you use a whole lot. But the lepers are just a few hundred yards away from where people are eating things that are questionable. And they're selling awful food for an exorbitant price. It hits them like a ton of bricks and they say, oh man, we cannot enjoy what we have while people over here are dying. Get a picture of the human condition of people without God in their lives. Um, The other day, I'm just going to tell you this, hope I don't get in trouble. You won't get me in trouble, will you? But the other day, true story, true story, I broke up a drug deal the other day. I mean, it was going down. And I was singing this song, bad boy, bad boy. (laughs) What you going to do? Now, I know some of you would have, Hit the right foot accelerator and driven on. But I saw this guy on a skateboard skating down the street, the middle of the street. Hmm. Right? His little earbuds in, his little phone there. And all of a sudden a white car comes pulling up and the passenger has some money. You don't have to, you know, have to watch CSI to know this. Come on. (laughs) And the dude on the skateboard motions to him to go to the next block. So, I figured he was motioning to me too, so I, <laughs> I went to the next block. I just wanna tell you this. I've been waiting all week to tell you this story. It was on graduation day. How dare them? And the white car pulled down the street, I won't tell you what kind of car it was, Pontiac, old Pontiac, and, and pulled down the street and this, the skater dude and then he motioned, let's go to the alley and I went to the alley. I thought he was motioning to me and I was desperately looking for, I have a uh, police chaplain badge, it's a real badge and it was in the bag. it wasn't in the console because I've used it before, you know and and I pulled up and I didn't know what else to do except beat my horn. Brrrr. And the dude on the skateboard looked at me like, What? What's up? What's your problem? And I said, Hey, this is my town. And I thought, Oh my God, now what do I say? <laughs> he said, Well, you should have called a police officer. By then, it would have not happened. By the way, our cops are so busy, I don't know if I would have gotten one. I don't have enough guys on the street, sorry, but that's the truth. And so, and so, Uh, he looks at me and I said, really? Is this what you want your life to be about? You sell stuff and he buys stuff, really guys? Come on, you think that's what God wants for you? Now, I know you're waiting for the part where they got on their knees and accepted Christ. It didn't happen. But I watched the car speed off and the passenger had his hand up, he was showing me his IQ and, and no, he was, he was showing me his IQ. And, and the dude on the skateboard went the other way and I said, hey man, God, God's got better stuff for you. And I drove away, now you're gonna say, "Well, 20 minutes later, Pastor, they probably got together. Yeah, but not on my watch, you know? And I know some of you are gonna say, yeah, yeah. I know some of you are gonna say, you know, bad, and if there's any law enforcement in there, are gonna say, really, you shouldn't get involved. I know that but I'm gonna do it anyway, sorry, sorry. Why did I tell you that story? Oh, Oh, because we gotta get a picture of our world. There's people using and buying and selling. There's human trafficking. There's people who look like they're all together and on the inside of their heart, they are broken. If you ever get past the facade, ask them the question, how you really doing? They say, fine, no, I mean really. And if they sit down and tell you about their brokenness, about their divorce, about their pain, about their cancer, about the problems inside their family, about their fear of the future, about looking for love and not finding it, about addictions, about oppression, about being linked to their past in such a way they can't get past it, about depression, about discouragement. You want me to keep going on? I don't think I need to. You, you know the problems of the world, because some of you have those same problems. And what are we called to do? See, we have people around us, Mark 8:36, they're doing really well. I, I've been to some Air Force events lately, and I see the guys and all their stuff, and the gals with all, all the medals and stuff. <laughs> You know, they're weighted down because of all their accolades, and rightfully so, they should have all that stuff. But you know what Jesus said? What, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and forfeit their soul? Could you imagine if you gained all the equity of the world? Think about how much real estate there is in the whole world. What if you gained the entire world? You had the pink slip for everything, and you still didn't have Jesus. You would forfeit your soul. And there are people who are pursuing their lives, they're getting better, they're they're, they're buying cars, their kids are going to college. Life is grand, so they say. But they're losing their soul. That's why Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I'm the resurrection and the life. Train your eyes to see people the way Jesus sees them. That's all you got to do. And ask them the question, how can I bless others with my life? Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.